We hope you enjoy this message and that it encourages and inspires you. For more information, head to lifepointwithane.org.au. Let me pray. Lord, today I really ask that Holy Spirit, you'd lead us and you'd guide us. Then you speak. We just need to hear you. And we pray you just break everything that would try and hinder or confuse or hinder the work of the Spirit of God. And we just invite your Holy Spirit. May we just hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to take a few moments this morning to have a look at the Lord's Prayer. Put up your hand if you find prayer difficult. <laughs> yep. Put up your hand if you find it hard to find time to pray. Well, I think Jesus was addressing this as He was speaking to, to the people of His time when He talked about the Lord's Prayer and tried to let them know this is a, a way of praying. When He started with our Father in heaven. Now, that was a massive statement by Jesus. We read it and we think, yep, that's okay. But the culture of the day was quite amazing. There was the Jewish um, culture, there was the Greek culture, and there's the Roman culture. And Jesus was trying to cut across these cultures to let them know how to pray. The Jewish culture, they saw God as a distant figure someone simply to be obeyed. They saw Him as um, so holy that His name couldn't be spoken. And even today, some of the Jewish will put a dash in the middle of G-O-D because they feel the name is too holy, too set apart to be, um, to be spoken. And they saw that God would speak to a nation or very rarely would speak to an individual. So they had no expectation that God would speak to them because the whole Old Testament is about the prophets and some chosen people where God spoke to them. They saw um, God as a headmaster with um, rules and you had to obey Him or look out. You then have the Greek culture, and the Greek culture is quite different. They have got, they saw their gods as moving in um, a parallel world beside them, that they would be beside them. And um, that these Greek gods considered man as inferior, and that we were just like um, pawns on a chessboard. So for the Greeks to pray to God, it was very difficult. We had the Roman culture, they had a God for everyone. They had the 12 main gods, you got Zeus and Neptune, Apollos, Diana. They even had in Romans, remember Paul talks about um, a statue to an unknown God in case they missed a God. So when Jesus said, this is how you pray, and He says, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, He shocked everybody because they didn't know relationship. They didn't know that they could have a relationship with their Heavenly Father, but Jesus had just demonstrated it. So God is saying, Jesus is saying that as you pray, you pray our relationship, my Father who art in heaven. That He's a Father, He's a Father figure to you. He loves you, He cares for you, He's interested in your journey and that is so important. He's a good Father, He's a good, good Father. Now today, we still have difficulty with this because if you didn't have a good relationship with your father 
and now you're told to pray to your heavenly father, it may be difficult because you may bring some of the characteristics of your earthly father into your heavenly father, which is so different. And I know when I got saved, when I was 20, I had to change that completely because um, my dad was someone who really was a disciplinarian. And as I was a younger kid, I, that's all I saw him as, someone who disciplined me if I did wrong. And I need to add now, we had, I had two older brothers, we were three terrors, and we probably deserved every bit of discipline that we got. But I just saw it as a disciplinarian. If I ever went over to a mate's place when I was a little tacker, I'd always say, is your dad home? And if the dad was home, I wouldn't go because I was too frightened that their father may discipline me like my father did. So when I come to God, I had to understand what it was to pray to my Father in heaven, a Father who loves me, a Father who is a good, good Father, a Father who wants to give good, good gifts to me and is interested in me. So I had to to break through that. And I started to realise in my prayer life and God demonstrated to me in many different ways, there's a good Father that He absolutely loves me and He delights in me being the best I possibly can as I serve Him and I followed Him. So my Father in heaven, personal, He cares for you, He knows your journey. When you say, my Father in heaven, straight away He knows where you're at, He knows your challenges, He knows what you're going through, He knows your struggles and He knows your dreams. That's the Father He is. He knows everything about you and He wants to bless you. That's the Father that we pray to. Then it says, hallowed be your name. What it's simply saying is honoured be your name. That as a heavenly Father, your name is honoured, that we can trust you because your decisions are right. That we honour you as a loving heavenly Father, that that we focus on, on you and all the good stuff that you have prepared for us and to trust Him in that. Now, this week, my, my daughter Anna and Luke and, and two grandkids, they shifted house. And we had the whole family together just on Thursday night and we were having a chat. And it's really interesting because we were talking about moving house, my kids reminded me of when we moved into our house. And that was when we bought um, what we called Bly Bly House at, at Bly Bly. And um, it was quite an old house then, it was a small house and um, it was the middle of winter. And all that house had to heat was one strip bar heater in our ensuite and this little um, stove, this pot belly stove in a hallway. And they reminded me that many nights that the kids were so cold in bed that they'd get up, they'd light this pot belly stove, they'd wait for it to get hot and then they enjoyed the warmth. And I thought, wow, did I put my kids through that? But they never complained about it. That was the journey because they knew our dreams, they knew our visions, and they trusted me as their dad. They were willing to do the hard roads because they knew at the end that there would be blessing. And you know, when we walk with our Heavenly Father and we say, hallowed be your name, sometimes He takes us on the journeys or the seasons where we do the hard roads But if we honour Him in those hard roads, we will come to a season and time as we trust Him that those roads would change. That's what we mean to honour Him, His position, who He is, that He is a God who loves us. 
Next part of the prayer is simply, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is amazing. We pray this and if we pray this, we're saying, God, it's not my plans, not my purposes, not my journey, but it's Your journey. And we want, I just wanna honour You today with all that You have for me. Whether it be stuff I enjoy, whether it be stuff I don't enjoy, God, I wanna honour You that Your kingdom come, Your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. The things, Lord God, that You want done here, the same as heaven, I want those things to be done. Romans 12, 2 simply says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the good, what is the good, acceptable and perfect will of God. God's will is good, pleasing and perfect. Prayer is absolute surrender to God. When we pray, Your will be done with surrendering to God to say, God, I'm going to trust You. Your will, Your plan, Your purposes be done. I may not like this part of the journey, but God, we want Your plans and Your purposes so that Your Kingdom would come in power and authority. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, sometimes we pray, but our prayer is simply, God, my will be done. The things I like be done the stuff I want be done. So our prayers start to get honed into what I want and what I most prefer when the Bible is clearly saying, God, Your will, Your plans and Your purposes. As I look through my life, I've prayed some big prayers, some, some big prayers and they haven't always come through, but as I've prayed them, God has shown me that it's His plans, His purposes and He can be trusted. And as I look back and say, I just thank God that sometimes He didn't give me my plans and my purposes because His will and His plan and His purposes line up in the big picture and in the big journey. So God, give us today a daily bread. God, provide for us what we need today. And God does that. God that it does that in so many different ways. It's not just the finances, it's not just the food, but God is there. The beauty of God that I see in the journey is that God provides us every time I step out, when I step out by faith to say, God, this is bigger than what I've got. God, this is bigger than the gifts and abilities you've given me. And I step out in faith, God miraculously somehow turns up and His provision keeps giving. Whether it's the ability to do something, I remember um, a house we had in um, Mariba. We had a, a friend who helped us build it, put it together, but there was a lot to finish at the end. And there were things like all the architraves that had to be done, there was cementing around it that had to be done. And I remember standing there praying and saying, God, I'm not good at the architraves. God, I'm not a good cementer. I've never done that before, but would you help me do it? And just the journey that God took me on to provide everything I needed and the information I needed to achieve what I needed to achieve. And along the way, I was just astounded. God, did you and I really do that? Have you ever done that? Have you ever finished a project and said, God, did you and I really achieve that? That's my life. And, and I just get so excited to realise that God is a God that gives us what we need, when we need it, and He provides for us. So this stage as we're going through the prayer, you're going okay? Just simply our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Your Name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day 
our daily bread. We're sailing along okay until we hit the next part. The next part is a bit more in depth because it involves us. It says, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So that means God, you're gonna forgive me my trespasses, but I also need to forgive others their trespasses. And I really believe unforgiveness is, uh, is a word that we use so lightly and so flippantly, but when we look at Scripture and we look at the power of forgiveness, when Yucca was talking about Oz Challenge and scripture, spiritual warfare, the biggest thing in spiritual warfare, or one of the big things in spiritual warfare is the power of forgiveness. The enemy has ground when there's unforgiveness, but when we extend forgiveness to others, there's a sense of release that, that we are set free. Forgiveness um, is not about other people. Forgiveness is about me being set free from the cage of bitterness and anger and resentment and pain that I've built around me because I've harboured unforgiveness. You see, when God forgives us, He totally absolutely forgives us for every single thing we've done wrong. The Bible says all we need to do is come to God to confess our sins. 1 John 1, 1.9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now God put that there in Scripture and He means it. So as we go to God and say, God, I wanna ask forgiveness for this. God forgives us. If we ask Him, He forgives us. And that's the easy part. That's the easy part to realise you've sinned, realise that you have sinned against a holy God and ask Him to forgive you is the easy part. Say, God, please forgive me. And to doubt that is to disbelieve God because His Word says, if we confess our sins, He will forgive us. So we walk free, we walk clean, we walk forgiven. That's what Jesus came to do. He dealt with our sin once and for all on the cross. He wiped it away. He set us free. But the problem is we don't receive that forgiveness. In our hearts, we, we've done stuff wrong. We've asked God to forgive us, but it gets murky there because we don't forgive ourselves. So we don't forgive the, receive the forgiveness and the cleansing from God. Therefore, we continue to harbour that pain in our life as though we're not forgiven, that we're not good enough, that God can't love us. And the water starts getting murky. And in this murky water is where the enemy plays his games, which is the next part of the prayer. But before I get there, we have to learn that if we ask God to forgive us, we have to receive His forgiveness completely. And when we receive that forgiveness, that means we are set free from everything we've done wrong in our life, for every mistake we've made, every bad decision we made, everything that we have done to hurt others or to not do what God wants us to do, we are forgiven, we're cleansed, we're set free. That's the Gospel. And we've got to get that in our spirits and our hearts and walk in freedom because God has says, if the sun shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. Walk in that freedom. And there's so many people who haven't walked in that freedom. Therefore, they've got problems to forgive others because they don't know the liberty of being set free. I know 
not long after we became a Christian, someone explained to me what the, the song Amazing Grace was all about. And a light went on in my heart that I am forgiven, that God's grace is so amazing that it has transformed my heart and my life and I'm absolutely and totally set free and I could walk in that freedom. And that made a complete difference to me. If I can walk in that freedom, that God loves me enough to forgive me, therefore I should forgive other people. And just the beauty of forgiving other people. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to forgive other people. I know there's been hurts. I know there's been pains. I know anyone that has really hurt you right now, you could tell me where they live, what their phone number is, probably what their bank balance is as well. We focus on the people that have hurt us and our focus zeroes in on them rather than setting them free and putting our focus back on to the one who has set us free. Beautiful story in Scripture about a king and a king had... um, two slaves. The first slave um, owed him something like a zillion, zillion dollars or something like that. A lot of money. And the king decided he wanted this money back. So he got the slave in and said, I want you to pay this money back. The slave had no way of paying the money back. So the king threw him in prison and, and left him in prison. Well, this guy started to plead with the king and say, look, just let me go. Let me go and I will repay the whole debt. Just let me go because he hated being in prison. Now the king started to think about this and he let him go. But he not just let him go, he said to his slave, I have forgiven you the debt. The debt's finished with, you are forgiven, walk in freedom, that's it. I've cleaned the slate, it's finished. He's a really smart man, this king. First of all, from anger, he throws him in prison. Like our unforgiveness, because of anger, why did they do that to me? We throw them in prison. And we start to judge them and we start to be angry and we try to work out ways of how we can get back at this person who has really hurt us and marked our life. And we do everything we possibly can to um, get in the way, to find out what's happening, to check that they will get their just desserts. That's where this king started. But then he realised in prison, there's no way this guy is going to raise any money to be able to pay him back. For the rest of his life, this king's going to be looking over his shoulder, asking his who I see, has that person in prison come into an inheritance yet so I can be paid back? He decided he didn't want to carry that for the rest of his life. So rather than carrying it for the rest of his life, he decided I'm going to wipe the debt. I'm going to set that person free. I'm going to say, you don't have to pay me. I'm going to let him go scot-free and I'm never going to think about it again because that's what forgiveness is about. So he did that and that was amazing. A bit like what God has done to you. God set you free. The debt's been paid. Walk in freedom. You're set free. That was beautiful. But the problem with the story continues because this guy did not, the slave did not accept the grace and the mercy and the love of the king. And he started to call the other slaves that owed him money and saying to them, you've got to start to pay me back. I want your money. So he comes and finds another slave. Slave number one finds slave number two and says to slave number two, you owe me something like 20 bucks. And the guy said, I can't pay it, I can't pay it. So he threw him in prison until he could pay it. The same issue, throw him in prison, expecting to pay in prison. The wages aren't very high in prison, I can tell you. So he couldn't pay him back. 
And then the first, the king realizes what the first slave has done, so he gets cranky with him and throws him in prison for good because he hasn't extended grace to other people. You know, that's what it's like when we choose to harbour unforgiveness. We put it in our hearts, we hold it in our hearts, and we want revenge. And we imprison other people because of our anger and our bitterness and our resentment. You know, in life, in my journey, there's probably been three big events and three major people in my life that I've had to learn to forgive. And they were people who were closest to me. Those that are hardest to forgive are those that have hurt you deeply who are closest to you. And you think forgiveness is, yes, I can just forgive like that. No, it's not that simple. First of all, there's the anger and you want to imprison them and throw them in prison. But then you realise I don't want to spend my whole life carrying this bitterness. The one thing I didn't want to do is to go into old age carrying bitterness and resentment because of people in my life who had hurt me and had um, done stuff that I was resentful to. So I learned the power of forgiveness. So after you get over the initial anger, then starting to talk to God and saying, God, I choose to forgive this person. I choose to forgive so that they can be set free and I can be set free. And forgiveness is a choice. It doesn't mean I've changed my mind about what they did. Yes, what they did to me was wrong. But I choose to forgive them and I set them free now from my judgment. And I take away the prison bars that are gonna come around me, that are gonna hem me in because I'll be anger and bitter for the rest of my life. And when we start to forgive, we are set free. And in forgiveness, I wanna tell you, you've gotta revisit it. At different times, you've forgiven them, that's right, maybe two or three years later and something comes up and you realise, man, there was a barb that just went into my heart about a situation that connected with that situation. Therefore, God, I need to revisit this forgiveness and ask You again to help me forgive this person in my heart so I can move on to be the person that You want me to be. Jesus knew what He's doing. When He put in this prayer, when He said, And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgiveness is powerful, but forgiveness is mighty for you. When you've received the forgiveness of God, you understand what it is so you can extend forgiveness to others. And just tucked along here, the last part of this um, Lord's Prayer is simply, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Man, the evil one's gonna do everything he can to tempt us in these areas where there's muddy ground or muddy water. He'll start to tempt us to, to get angry, to get bitter again, to, to justify that they owe me. And He really works in that area and we get so bitter and frustrated. What Jesus is saying, God in Jesus' Name, deliver us from the power of the enemy, from the power of the evil one, putting suggestions and thoughts in our minds and stopping us from moving on in what God wants us to do. That's what happened in the garden. The devil come to Eve and tempted Eve and said, did not God say? 
He started to put doubts in the mind about the, the, the greatness and the clarity of God and started to doubt Eve. And I'm sure Eve, I don't know how long it was before the devil tempted and she took the fruit, but I wonder if she walked past that tree and looked at the tree and thought, mm, did God not say? Mm, maybe, maybe the serpent's right and God's wrong. And the doubts in her mind started to grow. And I wonder what doubts the devil has put in your mind about an area of your life or your journey or about God or about the church that he's working on you to tempt you, to drag you away from God and all that God has got for you. The devil plants the seed of negativity and that seed of negativity is planted. And when that's planted, He uses that and works on that. If it takes Him months or years or decades, He'll keep working on that to what you're thinking in your heart actually becomes reality in your life. So when you start to, to allow a thought in, you start to entertain that thought, the devil works on that thought. And you think, oh, it's only a thought. But if we keep continuing to entertain those thoughts in our lives, in our minds, and we keep rehearsing those thoughts, eventually they will play out in our lives. It's a seed of doubt that he puts in to try and lead us away from God's plan and God's purposes. He says things like, you're not really good as you thought you were, are you? What if God isn't as loving as He's made out? You deserve to be bitter. You deserve to be selfish because they really did do the wrong thing to you. You deserve what's going on. You know, the enemy knows the battle and he knows that it's in etern internal and he internalizes it so that we harbour these thoughts and this anger and resentment against other people or against God. And that's where he tempts us. And he tempts us to keep thinking those things. He tempts us to keep falling to that trap. And we see the wrong stuff rather than the right stuff. The story about the 12 spies as they go into the, the promised land, they were sent in there to spy out the land. Yep, they saw the land, they saw what it was like. They come back and they stated some true facts and the true facts were, hey, the fruit's beautiful, it's amazing, the land's great, the cities are fortified, there, there are giants in the land, there's some big people in there. Yep, that, that's, that's incredible. They stated all those things, but they've had one lie. They come back with one lie and that one lie is, we look just like grasshoppers to those giants. Nowhere in that story did anyone talk about grasshoppers. No one said what the giants saw in these people, but they allowed the fear and the doubt of the giants in that land to make them like grasshoppers. So they started to speak it out. And they spoke out that we are just like grasshoppers behind, before those giants. Where has the devil made you a grasshopper? when you've got a giant of a God with you, that you've got a God that put this whole world, this universe together, just because He spoke it and He's on your side. He's a good, good Father. He loves you, He's with you. He'll never leave you, He'll never forsake you. He's got plans and purposes and good stuff for you. Where has the enemy put a doubt in your heart to say that you're just a grasshopper and He's just a giant? God wants you to realise as we go through this prayer that you are a conqueror, that you have power, you've got authority. The devil just wants to tempt you and put you down. And I bet you, I bet you today, the devil is tempting you with one of these five words. He's either tempting you with fear, 
fear of the future, fear of what's happening. He's tempting you with worry. You've got to worry about this, about what may happen, when it may never happen, but worry about it. Temptation to say something stupid or do something stupid. There's always that temptation. A sense of lack of worth, your value, that you are not valued. That's what He says to you. And the sense a seed of uncertainty, just uncertain about who He is. Did God not say that He is the great I Am, that you are loved, that He's our Father in heaven and He absolutely cares for you. You know, we can live in the paddock of fear and walk in the paddock of fear or the paddock of worry or the paddock of lack of self-esteem or the paddock of uncertainty. But if we live in those paddocks too long and allow those thoughts to really overflow our lives, we'll start to believe that we're just grasshoppers when God made us to walk with giants. And that's what it says when do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from His plans and His purposes. Let us see the truth. And I want to tell you today, the truth is that you are a child of the amazing God, that you are forgiven, that you do have the power in your life to forgive others who have sinned against you, that He is a good, good Father, that you are valued, that you are someone special, and what He wants so much is for you, for you to start to step up and declare in your own mind, in your own thoughts, that God, You created me and I'm gonna reach my potential in Jesus. Just as our worship team comes up, it's interesting when I was preaching on this and preparing to preach on it, God reminded me when the devil had done exactly the same thing to me. You see, it could have been probably, let me work this out, oh, 20, 30, 30 years ago, I was in a small town and I was doing a um, Anzac Day service as the minister of the town. And um, I was leading the service and everything. And there's a part in the service where we had to recite the Lord's Prayer. And I've recited the Lord's Prayer a million trillion times. But this day, I got halfway through it and my mind went blank. (laughs) And when you go blank and everybody else starts fumbling through and you're the minister, (laughs) you feel a right fool. And I did. And I wanna tell you for many, 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 many years, I would never ever recite the Lord's Prayer because the devil kept telling me that Phil, you'll get it wrong again. And that's broken, that's broken now. And should I get it wrong again? It doesn't matter, but I'm not gonna let the devil put that lie in my mind to say, I cannot ever give it a go. And many times I've given it a go and I wanna tell you every single time I've got it right. But even just visiting it today, it came back to me that remember you've made a mistake. I made a mistake, but I'm far bigger than that mistake. I'm a child of God, covered with His blood, and I've got a plan and a purpose, and there's no mistake that's ever gonna stop me from revisiting where I need to revisit to be the man of God that He's chosen me to be. And I wanna declare that over you today, 
There's no mistake in your past, no unforgiveness that you've been messing with that's going to stop you from stepping up and standing up to be the person that God has chosen you to be, the person He wants you to be, to make an impact, to make a difference, to be a light in the darkness, to be someone that God can use powerfully.